Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome, folks, to today's issues. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman this week, at least until Thursday. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, Ed. Good to be with you. And Chris Woodward. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. All right. Uh, you guys have a good weekend? Had a great weekend. I went to an air show. Oh, that's right. You told me. You said there might have been 10,000 people there. That's- oh, my goodness. Columbus Air Force Base is a major training base for the United States Air Force. And uh, they haven't had a, an air show for two, three years now. COVID had to do of with course. all of the rest of life. But anyway, no, it uh, was a tremendous crowd. Great show. And, of course... Uh, when the uh, U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds perform, they yeah. perform. And they were just tremendous. The weather was perfect. So that was a great day. It really was. Yeah. And I went to Saturday afternoon. My wife and I went to our granddaughter's ballet recital. Okay. So we were inside. Uh-huh. But, um, uh, the, you know, the the best part about it were, were the 60 seconds that my granddaughter was on the of on the stage. Of course. Balleting her heart out, and so does uh, she stand right up on her toes? Do they, they oh. have to do that? Uh, I don't think that her age. She's just seven. I don't think they're probably able. to I'm do amazed. It. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, amazed. They walk around. They do all kinds of things because there are older girls in it. Oh yeah, yeah, like high school and uh, probably college age or whatever. It's but, tough. Yeah. I mean, it's beautiful, but it's tough. Yeah, I cannot. Not that I've ever done it, but I've always. Sympathize, admired, yeah. How these ballet dancers, and and those who are in it, you know, the 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 adults, the they they're dancing companies and that sort yeah. of thing. They they actually can damage themselves you from can, doing that. From doing that so much, I don't know how you get the muscles and get the balance up on that sort of thing. I I, I don't either. And you're asking the wrong guy, frankly, <laughs> yeah. in terms of balance. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, this is it's not even Trivia Friday. This is just free. Um, the story goes that Walter Payton actually took ballet classes when he was in the NFL playing for the Chicago Bears. I've heard of that, yeah. And then also, uh, according to the New York Times, which totally means we should trust it, uh, Herschel Walker also studied ballet when he was playing for the Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, I, be- I believe it. It is, it's, it, it is a... Uh, a discipline. Oh my! Like yes. any, like anything else in the arts, it is yeah. a discipline. So anyway, that's that's what I did uh, on Saturday. So, awesome. how old is she? You're Just great. seven. Seven. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. So it she is. loves it, and of course, you know, all the grandparents, and we're all we're all in. So, yeah, great. Chris, we don't we don't care what you did this weekend. <laughs> Why don't you get started on the news? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do want to mention this because it is, it's a breaking case, and it is something that we have covered on AFN.net with a restaurateur several months ago. The Supreme Court said today it's going to review a challenge to a California law that set certain conditions for pork sold in the state. As we have reported on AFN, California passed a law, it was a voter initiative, that required so much space for pigs to live before they're slaughtered and processed as food. Uh, the issue is two agricultural associations challenging the law say almost no farms in the United States satisfy these conditions. Uh, when we reported it last, uh, I talked to uh, some people in Iowa, and they were saying, you know, we supply a lot of the pork to California. There's no way we can meet these kinds of conditions. 
even if we tried, it's going to jack the prices up, which means not only Californians would be paying more for pork, but everybody paying more for pork. So it sounds almost like something you would see on a Babylon Bee or an article on The Onion, but the Supreme Court is going to hear a case that involves a California law on pork sales. And, you know, the thing about California, uh, Fred, is that state is so huge Mm -hmm. in terms of population. Mm -hmm. It really does influence the rest of the country. I mean, I remember back in the 80s and the 90s, California uh, influenced the nation's public school textbooks. Oh, yes. Because Mm -hmm. textbook companies weren't going to make a textbook for California and then one for everybody else. That's right. They were going to fit the textbook according to the standards California used, Mm -hmm. and that was what was going to be available to public schools everywhere. Texas also had a great deal of influence on that. There was a a couple in in Texas who used to stand up for uh, America and teaching history correctly, those kinds of things. But I can see where what California does would impact pork sales uh, and prices all across the country because if they are a huge consumer of pork from places like Iowa, then all, uh, I guess you call them farmers, pig farmers, they would all have to change their farms to meet the regulations of California. And that really would affect the rest of the country. Oh, absolutely. And how do you determine how much space a a pig needs. Uh, I, I mean, who's going to determine that? We're, who's oh, an ex- experts? For who's it. an experts. expert on pig space? They Just talk, experts. They. <laughs> they used to talk to that pig on Green Acres. So maybe there's a, yes. a way to communicate. With was it Arnold? Arnold. Was so. it Arnold? Yes. Arnold the pig. Yes. Well, they. They will determine it. The yes. experts. And I'm sure they have. Uh, listen. To me, this is a leftist plot. This is a communist. I'm just going to write out and say it. This is a communist plot. You start messing with bacon. That's right. All right. In this country, it's a communist plot to undermine America and turn us over to the red Chinese. That's right. That's the way I look at well, it. One step away from being Canadian bacon, whatever that is. Yeah. It's called ham. Yeah. Everywhere else, it's yeah. called ham. All right. All right. So that anyway. So the Supreme Court has said it will hear that case. Yes. I listen. I'm just. I'm just telling you. I, I'm glad for the time being we have a conservative majority on the Supreme Court. I'm hoping they're they're pro bacon. We and, shall see. Yeah, it'll All be. Right. It looks like it's going to be. Uh, yeah, the case is expected to be argued after the court begins its new term in October. It's too late into the year to try. Unless there's right. some sort of emergency, uh, they're not going to hear any more cases. Uh, but it would potentially be um, a case in which. Stephen Breyer's replacement is going to be hearing, whether it's Katanji Brown-Jackson or somebody else right. uh, out there. So uh, we'll see uh, what comes there. So stay with AFN for more on that story. There is something you can read about this. I'll shoot um, Brent a link here in just a second. So we got that. The other story is something that uh, Fox News, Newsmax, a lot of news outlets today have been talking about, that being the White House walking back comments from President Joe Biden Uh, In recent days, Uh, Biden, you know, he went to Europe to meet with NATO allies and talk about the situation between Russia and Ukraine and what NATO is is or is not going to do about it. And while he was in Poland, Joe Biden said that Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, cannot remain in power. Clip one. For sake, this man cannot remain power. That's a brief clip there. He basically went off script and just started, you know, ad-libbing, as many presidents do. And a lot of people apparently took that as a threat that the U.S. is in favor of regime change in Moscow. 
maybe we're going to do something to replace or ouster Vladimir Putin. So at some point, Biden's handlers uh, got to him and said, we can't do this. We, we, and they put out clarifications saying this is not what the president meant. We're not in favor of regime change. At some point, someone on Air Force One apparently told Joe Biden himself to try to set the record straight here. And I have some audio of that as well. This is an audio bite of a reporter asking Joe Biden if he was indeed calling for a regime change. Mr. President, do you want Putin removed? Mr. President, were you calling for regime change? No. Yeah, he was coming out of a church yesterday, yeah. I think, and he was asked about that. You know, uh, Jen Psaki, the chief White House spokesperson, right. couldn't make the trip because she had COVID. Yes. I understand. The breaking news this morning, she doesn't want to come back to work. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to stay in quar- quarantine for 30 days because <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with this. You know, this is the, the White House did come up. Uh, here's what they had to say. Now, we just heard what he said. And by the way, didn't in that same exchange, not the, with the reporter, but didn't he call Vladimir Putin a butcher? Oh, that, was that was that what he said at the same time? He said something about he's a butcher, he cannot remain in power. So, he, he could. But this was the clarification they tried to put out. Quote, the president's point was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors or the region. He was not discussing Putin's power in Russia or regime, regime change, the White House spokesman said. No, that's not what he said. Right. What he said was, for he's... God's sake, he said, this man cannot remain in power. And the context was he was talking about the invasion of Ukraine. Yes. Okay. Listen, uh, I, I, I have some sympathy for Jen Psaki and some of these others who are constantly having to clean up President Biden's messes, his verbal gaffes, mm-hmm. a, a verbal gaffe that g- could escal- escalate the situation in Europe. In fact, that was some of what people, the critics of the president were saying, you could escalate things. Also, didn't he over the weekend or at the end of last week, he was talking to U.S. troops in Poland. Didn't yes. he say something about oh, oh, the yes. fact that they were going to soon be there? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes. And the White House had to walk that back. Did yeah. you, do you have that audio? I do not have the audio, I, but I two, can quote you. I can quote, okay, go for it. And he was speaking to the U.S. troops in, Pol- in Poland. This is what he said, quote, and you're going to see when you're there. He says to the troops, speaking about Ukraine, and some of you have been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing, standing in front of, then he used a four-letter word, tank, just saying, I'm not leaving. So once again, I, I mean, I'm not sure. It, it causes the White House people, it causes State Department people just to say, please stick to the script. Yeah. There was and, a guy uh, from the Wall Street Journal that was on with Dana Perino earlier today, and he was he recommended that Biden not even speak in public, saying there's nothing in law that says he has to. In, in an effort to appear coherent and everybody being on the same page, stop speaking in public so that way you'll quit going off script. Well, and and let me just and that's probably is good advice. But let me also add, it's one thing for the president to make a, st- a mistake about the price of gas prices, the cost of yes. gas at the pump. Yeah. It's another thing entirely to clearly call for regime change in Russia and to clearly state that U.S. troops were going to be involved in Ukraine. Now, you say, well, okay, he misspoke. Yes, but he misspoke in foreign policy Mm -hmm. matters that could, as critics have stated, escalate into something horrifying Mm -hmm. in Europe. 
You know, I mean, what what happens if Putin says, well, I think we need regime change in, in America? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or let's say this. If U.S. troops are going to be involved in Ukraine, maybe we'll be involved in Poland. I mean, that that's the kind of thing that could – you could see escalation because sure. of the president, quote-unquote, misspeaking. World War One started because someone who virtually no one in the United States knew was shot over in Europe. Archduke Ferdinand. And a lot of people in Europe had no idea who this guy was. So my point is – World escalations, global escalations have started over much smaller things. And when someone in a position of authority says, you can't remain in power, uh, somebody would probably see that as a threat, particularly somebody with the nuclear capabilities to see to it that you're not going to threaten yeah. me. And, and to the point with regards, there was one more. Uh, at one point uh, during Biden's trip, uh, he, he basically said, and he was asked, I think he was responding to a question about Russia using chemical weapons. Biden said that such a move by the Russians would, quote, trigger a response in kind, end quote. So that was uh, kind of strike number three. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, just saying, well, what do you take from that? You take, well, we'll respond to Russia with chemical weapons? I mean, that's the only... That's the conclusion, the logical conclusion of him making that remark. But again, his people had to walk that back. Yeah, and like I said, there is there is a potential devastating cost that could be paid when you make those kinds of off-the-cuff comments that are incendiary. Yeah. So we're not talking about a speech that the president makes that's been carefully crafted and uses exact language Mm -hmm. So you're sending a message to your opponent, but you are doing it in a way that is clear and unmistakable. These three things you're talking about, I'm afraid the lessons that would be drawn by Putin are quite serious. And, I, you know, the, the, the critics who are saying maybe President Biden shouldn't be allowed to speak in public, more and more that's sounding like the right tack to take. You're a Democratic strategist. And you don't want a complete obliteration of the party in the November election coming up, the midterm. You're probably saying, yes, keep him locked up yeah. or, or only allow him to make speeches yes. that have been pre-written and pre-approved because the guy cannot be trusted on his own to not say the wrong thing. And, you know, all this comes at a time in which uh, it appears Republicans are going to make gains in the midterm election. Over a whole host of issues, everybody takes an issue or more with them uh, when they go to vote for um, candidates, and this year is a election year with the midterms. Um, there's a bit of audio here that's had a lot of people talking, and understandably so. Uh, NBC did some polling and found that Republicans are stand to make great gains in the, uh, in the midterm elections to the point that Chuck Chod and a reporter from PBS, who also works for NBC. Uh, Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Todd, I'm sorry. Okay. I misspoke. Uh, Chuck Todd and a reporter from PBS and NBC, they were talking about what very clearly appears to be a huge red flag for Democrats. Clip four. I'm going to put up our generic ballot test here. And, you're, and the public's going to look at it. You'll see 46-44, Republicans up by two. Oh, that's not. That, that, that's a coin flip. 
This is the first time we've had Republicans leading on the generic ballot in our polls since September of 2014, <laughs> eight years ago. This is a huge red flag. It's a huge red flag, and it is coupled with the idea that people are blaming President Biden's policies for inflation. When you ask people right now, um, they're, they're essentially saying that Republicans are the ones who they trust with the economy. That's going to be a hard thing for Democrats to overcome. Well, now we're, what, seven months out, mm -hmm. so a lot, a lot could happen. Mm. Oh, the, yeah. the problem for Democrats and for specifically the Biden administration, who is right now President Joe Biden is an anchor around the neck of the Democratic Party. Okay, the problem is that I don't see anything this administration can do or is willing to do that is going to reverse the course our economy is on. We've got inflation. We have the potential for stagflation, which is something that we haven't seen since the Carter administration. We have the potential for food shortages. The president has publicly said we could be having food shortages. He's blaming it all, of course, on Vladimir Putin. Um, gas prices going through the roof, so which is going to be energy prices this summer. Uh, you're not going to have people traveling as much because of gas prices. They've got to cool their homes, all those kinds of things. I don't see anything that is going to reverse that trend because, Fred, this Biden administration is committed, in my opinion, to a Green New Deal or a climate change way of looking at the economy. And I think, frankly, a lot of the leftists in the Democratic Party want to see American pain in order to, quote unquote, make the shift to all renewable resources. According to this NBC poll, Republicans are ahead among independents by double digits. And in That's this bad. country, independents pretty well uh, control who wins. The GOP has a larger lead with men than Dems do with women. And white voters have gone from uh, some support, uh, I should say, from a marginal support for Republicans to huge support for Republicans. Across the board, Hispanics, all of this, there is not a poll out there that looks good for Joe Biden and the Democrats right now. Well, well over 30 Democrats have announced they're not going to run right. from the House. Just and that's House. usually a sign that they don't think they can win, so they're not going to Why waste, spend the money? Right. Why yeah. spend the money? Here's the thing, and, you know, the White House keeps trying to say it's all Putin's fault, Yeah, gas prices, but, you know, you don't have to have too many brain cells to understand this all started before sure. the invasion of Ukraine. It all started yes. before that. Yeah. It, ha it all started when Putin decided on day one going to kill Keystone, and he's, he's an enemy of fossil fuels. Right. And everybody understands that. Here's the thing. I was reading one news story in the weekend. People have to understand because the Biden administration keeps talking about electric cars, electric cars. 40% of the power that is used to recharge the batteries for electric cars comes from fossil fuels. Right. You've got to understand that. You cannot just toss fossil fuels away. Right. You know, the Biden administration on Friday, I think it was, announced they're leasing a bunch of land off uh, North Carolina and South Carolina for windmills. Right. Well, good luck on that front. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to keep North Carolina and South Carolina electricity it's nice if somebody wants to build a windmill and get some power out of it, that's just fine. You know, go ahead and do it. If somebody wanted to put solar panels on my house, that's just fine. Right. I'm not against that stuff. 
but it cannot replace fossil fuels. The American people understand that. Yeah, this is going to be a big problem. And I'll tell you, another problem for the Biden administration is, okay, fine, you're going to blame Vladimir Putin and the war, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Sure, blame all of our problems on that. But if in the next 30 days, Ukraine and Russia, and they are having some talks, Mm -hmm. if they come to a peace agreement, a ceasefire, and there is an end to hostilities in Ukraine, then what's Biden going to do? Yeah. Who are you going to blame then? Yes. Now, you may get some residual blame, you know, uh, you know, for the prices here and saying, well, Ukraine's not up on its feet again or something like that. But I think those kind of things will, you know, kind of quickly come back. Mm-hmm. You can't blame Putin for the next seven months. Nope. And they, I don't think people, I don't think voters will. It, Russia invaded in February. Uh, and gas 24th. prices were already up about the national average was up already about a dollar prior to Russia's uh, decision to invade. Now, prices have gone up uh, since Russia invaded, and that is due to things probably including Russia and the speculation in the markets and stuff like that, where people are trying to make some money, uh, getting an idea of where oil prices are going to go. But to say that the, the entire problem is Putin's is just false. I, right. I don't want to call any president a liar, but that is a lie to say that. Um, that it's all Vladimir Putin's fault. I, I know that because we do gas prices stories uh, periodically throughout the day on our newscasts, generally towards maybe the end of a newscast, just to kind of tell you what to expect to pay if you're preparing on getting gas today. Uh, the national average for diesel today, Brent, over five bucks. Now, we pay below average prices You're speaking here in to Brent Creeley, who's yes. our producer. I also he drive a diesel, a diesel, so yeah. I feel your pain, brother. I have a, de- I have a car that's a diesel as well. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's not cheap. Um, so... Do we have time for one more clip? Okay, let's do this because uh, they were talking about the food and fuel issue there with uh, Newt Gingrich, uh, former Speaker of the House from Georgia. He was on Fox and Friends saying that he does think those are going to be big, major key issues this year. The problem for the Biden presidency is that they have no believable explanation for the various disasters, whether it's the millions of people crossing the southern border, it's the rising crime rate, uh, it's the difficulty with education, uh, or the two things that are going to ultimately, I think, defeat the Democrats this fall, the price of food and the price of gasoline. And I think the theme is going to be, we can't afford it. We can't afford the gasoline price, we can't afford the heating oil price, we can't afford to the price of chickens. I mean, just go down the list. Yeah. And I think it's going to be impossible for Democrats to answer that effectively. Well, I, I agree with them. And and the fact of the matter is, when when people are getting ready to vote, Fred, coming up here in November, we're going to be on the cusp of winter again. That's right. And so the, the argument is going to be a very strong one. You think you're going to be able to afford to heat your house this, this winter? Yeah. yeah. Well, we like... Newt Gingrich is saying, you can't afford Democrats. Listen, uh, besides the economy, which I think is going to be the big issue, the country's in a sour mood. Yeah. You've got, you've got uh, uh, an uprising going on across the country right now against a Democrat-controlled education system. Yes. You know, that parents, parents are being told to butt out. We don't want your opinion. We're going to control your kids. Perhaps uh, later on in the program, there is a school district in Wisconsin, you're not going to believe where they're going. They're basically telling the children that if you, a little boy, if you believe you're a girl today, we're not going to tell your parents because your parents don't know what's going on. 
and we don't want them to know what's going on. And and as a school, we don't trust them yes. to do the right thing with their own kids. Yes. Yeah, and so that we will be that that will be the start of a new school year. Yes. Uh, when the November midterms are, uh, come around. Yes. Okay. So people will again after a summer yep. of no school. Yes. They'll be back in the education wars. Yes. Especially in some of these blue states and blue cities. That's not going to be a good taste in the mouths of voters. No, sir. So, all right, folks, look, we're going to take a short break for news. And when we come back, we're going to have Matt Mayer on, who has a phenomenal ministry. We're going to be talking to him about uh, his testimony, what he has come through, and what uh, God is doing through his ministry. And uh, then, of course, at the top of the hour, Steve Jordahl with more news. We're going to let Chris talk about some news, too, after uh, Pastor Mayer. I claim my time. Yes, folks, we'll be back in a couple minutes. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building, and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. And my father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes, too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? Let's get some cookies and I'll tell you all about it. Hello Americans, I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. Retailers are packing up and leaving San Francisco faster than you can say rice a 17 Walgreens now closed, nearly every Gap store is gone, and CVS is not far behind. The reason is shoplifting. It's become an epidemic in San Francisco, in large part because of a change in the law. Nonviolent thefts are now considered to be misdemeanors if the stolen goods are worth less than $950. When that happened, well, it became open season on local stores. The most recent, a Walgreens, when a guy rode into the store on a bicycle and stole nearly everything on the shelves. City leaders say they are perplexed. They don't know how to fix the problem. Spoken like true liberals, here's what needs to happen. Change the law. 
unleash the police, impose jail time, hard jail time for shoplifters. Otherwise, folks in San Francisco are going to have to drive to Sacramento to get their prescriptions refilled. I'm Todd Starnes. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. American Family Radio. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back. Ed Vitagliano sitting in for Tim Wildman today. I'm joined in studio by Fred Jackson and Chris Woodward. And in studio with us is Matt Mayer, who's an author, a speaker, and a pastor. Good morning to you. Matt, how are you doing? Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for the opportunity to engage you today. Well, listen, I, I like what, you know, uh, uh, Brent Creeley, our producer, gives us a little uh, little piece of paper before the show and has some little introductions for guest speakers, and it says of you, this is great, <laughs> he aims to inspire conscience and instigate conviction. I like those words. I like that. I like that. How do you, how do you inspire conscience and instigate conviction? And then I want to get into a little bit of your testimony, but why you are in the Tupelo area. That is the home turf of our flagship station. That's right. But inspire conscience and instigate conviction. What does that mean? Well, that was the mission, really trying to boil down what the Lord laid on my heart, my passions and convictions. And it began with an enlightened conscience, right? The place where God speaks the loudest. And I thought about inspiring other people's conscience so that they can know God more. Because if people can know God more, then they could show God more. And that led to, if I get them to know God more, how do I get them to show God more? And that was the instigating conviction. So I, I like that. preach and teach with a passion and a conviction that is challenging and charging at times to hear, but I think we need to know truth more than anything else in these unstable days. Well, and you've done devotion for us here at American Family Association before the staff. I think everybody loved it, were inspired by it. But this country really is in big trouble That's in right. terms of its conscience. I mean, the Bible talks about consciences that are uh, seared, that are hardened, that uh, are not are non-responsive to God, to the Holy Spirit, or to the Word of God. So this really is a critical time for ministries and preachers to awaken the consciences That's right. of Americans. Yeah, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the church should be the conscience of any given nation, especially the United States of America, considering our forefathers and the framework of our government, their consciences were captivated by a higher authority. So even if they were deists, there was still this higher law or order that they were using to govern their society. And the church should be leading that charge. So we should be the loudest voices in the areas of morality and sociology and sexuality. I mean, we have the blueprint called the Bible. So again, back to inspiring the conscience of a Christian and then instigating them to be about our father's business. And that's where you see impact and influence on culture. Matt, uh, part of your testimony here to the staff uh, is is so compelling. I wonder 
There may be many people listening right now that don't know your background. Tell us a little bit about, and your background probably is different than a lot of folks who are listening right now, but I think it has been part of your fabric and that led you to have the drive that you do. Yes, sir. And compassion. So very thick testimony that I'll give in a very skinny form and fashion. Raised in a strong Christian household, youngest of four boys. So you can imagine the dynamic of following in my older brother's footsteps. Academically and athletically, I learned things rather quickly. Excelled in those areas. Soccer became my main sport in high school. Then college as a full scholarship recipient to Temple University. And then by God's grace was drafted as a first round draft pick to play pro soccer. But that sounds all good and all. And I often talk about how Jesus said those that hear his words and do his words or follow his words, I'll liken that individual unto a man who builds his house upon a rock. Right. Mm. Storms come, they're inevitable, and they beat up on that foundation and it does not fall. And then he talks about the opposite. A foolish man builds his house on sand. Same storms hit up against that type of house and great is its fall. And I, I often say, I combined the two of those foundations because I was raised in that strong house, Christian household. My parents put that foundation of faith beneath my feet and I walked it out for a time and a season. But over that time and season, I began to build a sandcastle. And that's what the world was impressed by, right? Playing pro soccer, the accolades, the accomplishments, the successes to the naked eye. Wow, that guy's got it all together. And the sandcastle, impressive as it was, was eventually going to crumble. And the storm came by my own hands, gentlemen. I made a reckless decision on March 7th, 2009, after suffering a career-ending injury to my knee. That's not the excuse. That kind of was the catalyst that led me to make the decision on this fateful night. And I drank alcohol, I drove, and I ended up rear-ending another vehicle. And the driver, a man named Hort Cap, 55 years of age, was dead upon arrival, deceased. And that imploded my world, exploded somebody else's world. Everything came crashing down, but it was in that vulnerable state of humiliation where God began to do a work. And I don't want to sound insensitive, obviously, to my situation and my victim's family, but it was in that place where I humbled myself and God began to rebuild this foundation of faith that I was raised in. I served 55 months in state prison, which became more or less a honeymoon with Jesus, right? All the scripture that I memorized as a kid in my mind descended into my heart and it became real for the first time. Then there was this forgiveness that was extended to me on my court day by my victim's son. And it's something you have to see. The video is unbelievable. And as I'm standing before the judge, waiting for the sentencing, my victim's son spoke to me with anger and rage. I was the object of that. And then he eventually gained his composure and said, but I forgive you, my brother. And he came walking over to me in the courtroom and him and I embraced right there. And all that guilt, wow. weight, and shame, it literally evaporated. So it's not an understatement for me to say that on January 7, 2010, the day I would be physically incarcerated was also the same day that I was to be spiritually liberated. So 55 months in state prison felt like 55 days because again, the Lord was doing such a mighty work in my heart. That became the launch pad to what I do today in ministry. Wow, that's extraordinary. Well, it, part of your ministry, as I understand it, is appearing on college campuses and it's a vital work. Um, because hardly a day goes by without hearing of some poll or reading some article about how younger people are abandoning the faith, or maybe they've never had a, a faith of any sort. 
How important is it for people listening to, and we do have a lot of young listeners, praise God. How important is it for a young student out there to bring a friend or, or bring someone with them to hear you speak? Yeah, especially down here in Mississippi, I'm under the impression I'm in the Bible Belt. And one of the things I think through as I creatively communicate is, wow, how many people have lived in the Bible belt but have never made the Bible their belt, mm-hmm. right? And that's yeah. what Paul wrote about right. girding your waist with truth. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of these college-age kids, high school-age kids, mm-hmm. who think they're Christian because they were born into a Christian family. But that's not what makes you Christian. Right. What makes you Christian is being born again into Amen. God's family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I challenge them to own their faith and to own their lives and their decisions and to really get to the heart of the matter of where they are with Christ, not tradition, not religion, not church attendance, not good deeds and good morals, but really boil it down to where are your loyalties right now? Because you're either all in or you're all out. And I think that's a, a, a message that is uncommon today because we don't wanna offend anybody. Right. But I think according to the scriptures, God's like either be all about my business or get out of the way. Because yeah. I don't want any contradictions and yeah. I don't want any hypocrisy. And I yeah. think that's what I'm passionate about. There's, there are a lot of Christians that I think allow a gray area that's right. where you're talking about all in or all out. And Jesus never seemed to, in my opinion, as I read the scriptures, and the apostles didn't, they didn't, they didn't say you can be half born again. That's right. They, there's none of that in, in, in the scripture. That's and, right. uh, so, uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Matt Mayer, who's an author, speaker, and pastor. And the ministry is Truth Over Trend, right? Is that- Truth Over Trend would more or less be the platform. So the platform. it's the hub. If there's anything you want to see about my life or the messages, the media, you go to truthovertrend.com. So it's been a way for me to consolidate where yeah. I'm at and what I'm doing. And obviously, I'm a pastor at a church in Ocean City, New Jersey. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Matt Mayer, not Matt Marr, the Christian singer. <laughs> we a, like him too. I know you too. We're not, all one family. Hey, I get mixed up with him all the time as far as I'll get done preaching or telling my testimony in its full order. And somebody will come up and be like, how come you didn't sing any of your songs? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not yeah. that guy. Yeah, that's right. So you're from, are you from New Jersey? Born Is and it? raised in New Jersey. Well, see, you don't have the, the New Jersey accent. Or, see, that's why North Jersey needs to be cut off from South Jersey <laughs> and be absorbed into New York. That's okay. New York accent. All right. Okay. okay. So, uh, so, so you don't, you don't go to the, to the, uh, or was there some dumb show? Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. When is that I, north or south That's Jersey? north. Okay. And when I was on the speaking circuit, I would go to different states, and that's all they knew of New Jersey. So here's Matthew Mayer from New Jersey, and you can almost see the crowd, and I would have to get up there and say, I'd like to apologize on the entire behalf of the state of New Jersey based on that depiction. That is not an indication of all of us. All right, so why are you here in uh, the Tupelo area? You've By God's something- grace alone, great question. Yeah. I was here back in December where I met your amazing team and did that Devo And that was an introduction to the community here in Tupelo. I was brought in by one person specifically, Tracy Lanfear, Mm -hmm. a friend of the ministry here. Mm -hmm. And she saw my testimony and thought it was compelling enough to have me meet the community, some of the youth, some of the churches. And that kind of spawned into this go at it. I'm back in town with a more organized approach, a very busy itinerary. I was at Auburn Baptist Church yesterday. Know that one? Yeah. I was at a county jail. I probably pronounced the county wrong. You guys can correct me. It's like 
Ponotoic. Ponotoc. Ponotoc. That's where he lives. That's uh, that's where I'm from. <laughs> okay. And I just I do want to apologize for North Ponotoc. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. You get it. It's all it's you all it. it's a great it really is a great yeah. great community. So I, I spoke at Five Pods last night with um, some amazing guys that are down and out, needed encouragement, needed the gospel, needed to hear about hope, and mm-hmm. obviously coming from my perspective and relating to where they were in the suffocation of confinement and talking about God's redemptive power. I was at Mooreville High School this morning with the senior class, shared my testimony there. I am going to another location this afternoon, probably uh, Amore or Amore. Amory? Amory. Amory. See, there you go. That's my hometown. Yeah, Remember, folks, I'm from New Jersey. I have no idea where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm going to Mississippi State tonight to deal with the student athletes there. So that's going to be an exciting one. Wow. Okay, so if folks want to find out your schedule here, or going forward, or they want to invite you, do they go to your website? There are some of these opportunities at truthovertrend.com. They can click on events. Not all of these locations are on there because some of them are closed events, like right. the public high school events. I'm doing Broken Lives Ministries uh, Wednesday. I'm doing an alternative school in the area on Wednesday. I think I'm doing Tupelo Christian School tomorrow morning so yeah very full schedule Mm -hmm. all of the opportunities are different messagings some might be my testimony some might be more topical relating to the certain audiences but again excited to be here the community here has been phenomenal so southern hospitality (laughs) is not just a catchphrase right everybody has been so compassionate and kind and has treated me as their own so it's a testimony to not only tupelo mississippi but the christian culture down here and you all, and then you also pastor a church. I so do. it's extraordinary that your church, I don't know what your government is, but your elders, your deacons, whatever, <laughs> they allow you to, to travel and, and minister. So from the day that I was brought on back in March of 2015, before I, I'm using this expression, not that it happened this way, signed the dotted line, that's the former pro soccer right. player in <laughs> me, I was very clear with them as far as what I felt called to do. As much as I wanted to be involved in a ministry, I said, and I didn't know much about where God was leading me that I never wanted to be tethered to one location. I felt God was calling me beyond the building, I kept saying, yeah. to other audiences and other demographics. And the elders said, Matt, we support you wherever you go. Mm. And from then to now, they support these trips because I represent them when I go. I yeah. represent my church. I'm not the lead pastor. I'm the associate. Okay. So I do the midweek service. I usually don't miss that midweek service. And then I plan a lot of trips like this one, for example, I preached Thursday night, got on a plane Friday morning, touched down in Memphis, took me to Tupelo. I obviously didn't have to preach yesterday, and I'll return on Thursday. So I don't okay. really miss my responsibilities at the church. What's mm. the name of your church? It's called Coastal Christian Ocean City, and that's Ocean City, New Jersey, not Ocean City, Maryland. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Our guest has been Matt Mayer. Uh, you've heard the testimony. Please visit truthovertrend.com for uh, at least the opportunity to invite you. If they want, they can contact you through that website and see what is available. Matt, thank you so much. We just rejoice in what God is doing in and through your life and look forward to God using you to impact our community here and the nation wherever you go, brother. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks for being on with us. Thank you. you. All right. Take care. Well, that's out. That's just outstanding. And folks, I just want to encourage you. There, there is a there. There are a lot of bad things happening. There's no doubt about that. But you have to remember that God is working, 
And that's really what's going to count in the long run. God is working, and it is so often behind the scenes where we don't even think God is working. I always like to, well, I'm just going to preach just, just a tad, just a little bit here, okay? When Moses woke up on the day that he saw the burning bush, he woke up and did exactly what he did every other day before that, and yet God was working behind the scenes, and that was the day that God was going to meet with Moses, and you know the rest of the story. So, folks, that same God is working in your life, working in your family, your marriage, in the community. Please don't take your eyes off the king of glory because he is working. And uh, there are a lot of people you've never heard of that are ministering and God is using in a powerful way to touch lives. So continue to keep the faith. All right, Chris, what else you got? Follow that, brother. Okay. Give us some, give us some it's bad like, news. It's like the monkeys closing for Led Zeppelin. All right. Uh, Wait which, a minute, which one am I? <laughs> am I am I the monkeys or Led Zeppelin? No, you're you're Zeppelin. I'm okay. I'm uh I'm the guy uh singing daydream believer with an accent. Okay. So yeah, we we got that going. One of the things I have uh, done a lot in recent uh weeks, really months, has been to cover a lot of the different mandates that uh governments, federal, state and local have put on people in terms of getting covid shots or wearing masks and stuff like that. One of the more talked about mandates has been the uh, requirement for people in New York City to get a COVID shot as a condition of employment. This is something that began under former uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio. He wanted everybody in New York City, government employees and private sector employees, healthcare workers, to all get the COVID shot because, as we've often heard, to combat the spread of COVID-19. Um, a new mayor has taken office in the Big Apple. His name is Eric Adams. And he announced a few days ago that he was offering an exemption for professional athletes and entertainers. According to Mayor Adams, it wasn't fair that uh, people from out of town were being able to allowed to come into New York City and perform a sport or entertain, uh, but the local professional athletes and entertainers had to do it. So he offered them an exemption. Uh, and that required or resulted in a lot of people saying the mayor is committing a double standard here. Why are you offering it for these people when you got a whole bunch of other people over here that have been working to save the city for the last two years? You're still requiring it of them. You've actually fired people for not doing this, that kind of stuff. I've got some sound here. Uh, this is a montage of two people. Uh, mayor Eric Adams is at the beginning. And then a gentleman named Andrew Ansbro. He's the president of the FDNY Uniformed Firefighters Association, and he was talking on Fox and Friends about how this is completely unfair. Clip seven. You may consider this a double standard. Uh, I'm, I consider the analysis that I made, and I'm comfortable with my decision. I'm glad to see it happen that, that the city's reopening, but you can't have it reopen for some and put others on the unemployment line at the same time. You know, this is a, a civil rights issue at this point, that you have different rules for different people in the city where you're bringing some people back to work and at the same time, same exact time, mm -hmm. you're firing other people. And the people that they're firing have, has, has kept the city going for the last two years. Now, I can tell you, other people have made similar comments to me. Uh, most recently, Twyla Brace, a registered nurse and president of a group called Citizens Council for Health Freedom, she said it's completely not fair. If you're going to offer it for this group, why not offer it for the others? Well, Fred, I mean, th this representative from the fire department, I mean, this is a good point. You, you have really inequality before the law. You know, all, all people are supposed to be treated the same mm -hmm. under the law. That that's that's a pretty strong argument to say yeah. some people can have this advantage, but then others simply because of their job, they can't. I, know, I'm not sure how far that'll go with Eric Adams. It doesn't sound like very far, but 
maybe in a court case, it makes well, more tra traction. We have heard over and over and over again uh, from the CDC, from Joe Biden, that uh, they want to follow the science. All right. So I would ask Mayor Adams, why is it that you feel so compelled that unless a firefighter gets the vaccination, you're going to fire them, which is what has happened. And police officers are right. going to fire them. But all of a sudden, when it comes to a sports player, it's okay. You don't have to get the vaccination. You see, that tells me your original reasoning for firing firefighters and police officers was all false. Right. It was false. I mean, the virus is the virus. It's going to do what it's going to do. Yeah. So for money's sake, you're willing to make that kind of compromise. This just drives people crazy right now. These double standards are just driving people crazy. We are throwing thousands of people out of the military. Right. Because they won't get a vaccination. Now, we're learning through science as time goes on now, over two years, that, my my goodness, people who are vaccinated are getting COVID. Yeah. Uh, I know of a couple of cases just in the last 48 hours where people, you know, vaccinated, still getting COVID. Jen right. Saki. You know, yeah, Jen Psaki. And now the, Jen Psaki's 2IC mm -hmm. got COVID when she was traveling with Biden the other day. Uh, maybe that's not so that I have to show up and answer questions today. But to get, <laughs> get back to the, to the original point, there is such an inconsistency that's going on here. Let's stop this nonsense. Vaccinated, unvaccinated, you're going to get COVID. You get all upset if there's an unvaccinated person gets it. But if a vaccinated person gets COVID, oh, well. There it is. You know, this this inconsistency, this is another thing that I think that's piling up on Joe Biden and the Democrats, quite right. frankly. Yes. The American people are fed up with the hypocrisy. And and it is, and it's clearly hypocrisy. And that has, for all of the people who trumpeted, quote unquote, science hmm. as the reason behind their policy measures, their rules and their regulations and their laws for vaccines and mask mandates and all that, the American people have clearly seen the hypocrisy, not just in this case here with athletes, where it's clear, clearly all about money, yes. the entertainment dollars that they want to come into New York City, especially as people from New York City are leaving in droves, mm -hmm. okay, could affect the tax base of the city. But we saw all over the during the last two years, example after example after example of the policymakers – Okay, whether it's Governor Gavin Newsom or Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, all of them breaking the rules, de Blasio, out in public. Remember when he was yes. running or walking or whatever yeah. with his wife? No mask. Yes. Gavin Newsom going to parties, no masks. Uh, Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done when the shop should have been closed. Well, that no was mask. just a setup. Yes, that was just yeah. a setup. AOC, so, AOC in New uh, York. And in Florida. And then goes the, down the to Florida. The governor of uh, Michigan. Yes. Okay? So uh, American people aren't stupid. Mm -hmm. And they see this happening over and over again. And then you want to say we're following the science? No. Nobody's yeah. buying that It anymore. is purely because of the economy in New York City that the mayor, the new mayor, um, has allowed this to happen. And he talked about how, you know, we have to do this as part of the economy. Last week when he announced this, it was a big to-do. He had representatives from the New York Yankees as well as the Mets and probably some other teams, the Nets, uh, since they've moved back to Brooklyn. They were all with him for the announcement. And the, the mayor said, quote, players attract people to the stadium. 
In other yes. words, people are paying to see these people perform, and we need people in the stands to make them more money. Here's the thing. A lot of taxi cab drivers got those people to the stadium. Right. The subway driver got those people to the stadium. Hotels, The police officers standing there working for the umpteenth hour in the day on a 19-hour shift or whatever it is made sure all those people safely crossed the street. You're requiring those people to get the shot, but not the millionaire in the stadium. That's That's not fair. Right. All right, that, that's uh, listen. We we are going to. I, I don't know what the next couple of years is going to hold in terms of the information experts garner about what we went through for two years. I just don't know what that's going to look like. I hope it's the truth. I hope there aren't uh, important truths that get buried somewhere. Okay, in a uh, in a harbor. And uh, on the North shore of Jersey. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope we all find out what the truth was about COVID and about the mandates and mm-hmm. the shutdowns and the lockdowns and all that. I, and the vaccines. I hope we get the truth over the next couple of years, but I'll tell you this experts in the medical and scientific and health fields took a beating mm-hmm. uh, starting with Anthony Fauci over the last two years because they said science, everybody else said, saw politics. Yeah, and, and you know, but one of the things Biden really hit Trump on hard in 2020 was he didn't have a quote-unquote plan to combat COVID. Bring me and Kamala into office. We'll, we'll attack the, we'll end the virus. Right. And here we are with more COVID deaths under his watch than we had under Trump. Yeah. Um, hey, before, before we go, we're coming up yes. here on a break. Uh, will you, you mentioned before AFN, will you give a brief explanation yes. about American Family News and uh, getting news in their email box, that kind of thing? Yes. I want to let folks know about Thank that. Thank you very much for asking. AFN.net is the address for our website. It used to be onenewsnow.com, but we renamed it AFN.net to match the same name of our radio division. So when you go to AFN.net, you'll see all the stories from various people here, including Steve, who's joining us in a minute. At the top of the website is a button that says subscribe. You can click that, enter your email address, and once a day, you will get an email from us with seven or eight stories, kind of giving you an idea of what's going on, what people are talking about. We won't share your email address. We don't require you to pay those read art to read those articles. And all that, again, can be found on AFN.net. All right. Thank you, Chris. And thanks for being on Thank this you. Uh, our first hour segment of today's issues. And you are listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. We're going to take a five-minute break for news. When we come back, Steve Jordahl will be joining us, letting us know what's happening here in abroad. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.